verse 4, when it says, I'm writing so that you, my joy, not that our joy, may be complete. Um, and so this is the author that writes that. Uh, so that's what we're going to do first, John, together. Um, go through it. Now, people say, is this a, is this a epistle, a letter like the other ones? It doesn't feel the same. It feels more like a sermon. Uh, Paul identifies himself in his letters. So does Jude and so does James. But John doesn't. He doesn't, the writer doesn't reveal to us who it is. But structure and other things would seem like it seems a lot like the Gospel of John. Um, early, early church people would say that it was John. Uh, Polycap, Irenaeus, and Tertullian would say that this is John's writing. So, another great question is, uh, um, when was it written? Well, that's a good question. Uh, it spans a lot. Uh, it depends on the smart people. Some places, as we see here, 60 to 65, but it could be earlier. And then other people would say, well, it's at the end of the first century. The reason why I took this one is, whatever the actual date of the writing, the epistle, gives the truth of timeless value to the Christian church. So maybe the Lord has not revealed all of us, all of this to us, but we have revealed great truths about who Jesus is. These are just some encouragements to you because I thought that would be interesting to share. Uh, when you have your Bible, uh, was, but it says it's the letter of John. Yeah, but that's not there originally. That gets put in later along with the chapters and verses. So just shortly, this is the Archbishop, uh, Archbishop of Canterbury. He puts in the uh, chapters in 1227. And then from then we have the chapters. Then in the Old Testament, a guy does it in 1448. And then afterwards, another guy does it in 1555. And then we have it, we have chapters and verses. And we get them, then we have them all in 1555. So then when you read the headlines, they weren't there. Uh, most of the headlines are added to help us, just like the verses and chapter numbers, which makes it a lot easier than having to go through the whole thing to find something. So we can be thankful. Uh, or it would be just like the guy in Hebrew says, oh, somewhere in Scripture it says, it's, just, it's kind of hard to go through. The system makes it easier for us. Um, then why, does, why is this written? Why does John write this letter? Um, I really appreciate this one because um, there's a lot of guesses on which kind of heresies that he's opposing. Uh, he, we know he's trying to encourage the believers, but he's also teaching against some false teaching. There's been many really good guesses of what it is. Some is obvious and some is maybe not so obvious. Uh, but I appreciate this one saying, we're not sure exactly what it is, but we can look to the Bible to see what we have and not guess so much. And I think that's good for us to rely on that. Um, with all these, uh, what do you call it, with all these uh, 
pre-introduction um, remarks, um, I actually thought I would call the whole series the true definition of love. Um, because the most, uh, a lot of what John's going to explain is that God is love and different things, but he also explains how and what love really is. Um, one time I was really encouraged by something I would like to encourage you with is that when we read the letters, try to see how the writers of the letters teach what they were taught by Jesus. So we will see some parallels to John, uh, to John's gospel, but we also see how John then tries to teach what Jesus taught him. And I think it's a beautiful way of looking at it also. John has some things that are characteristic of him. He uses uh, contrasts. So as you go through that, you will see he uses light, darkness, evil, good, uh, children of the devil, children of God, life, death, um, obey, disobey. Little children, old, and, and so this is one of the things that we can see as we read out some of the characteristics of how he does it. Um, and now we'll read. Now we'll read the first few verses together. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it, proclaiming to you eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So John's going to it actually fits pretty well with what we just went through. Jesus had just given the um, the great commandments to the disciples to go out and share the good news. So this is what John's doing. He's trying to encourage the believers. Also, if you if we look at how John um, John's gospel starts, this seems to be some of the same. And even it seems to be all the way back to the beginning. In Genesis 1-1. From the beginning. From the beginning. From the beginning. There's like three things that John talks about. Um, which we're going to get to a little bit later. Because I can't see them right now. <laughs> but 
it's, uh, this is reverse joy, fellowship, and life. So, in the right order, life, fellowship, and joy. So, what are those things? Well, the first one John talks about is life. And he talks about that which was from the beginning. So that's Jesus. And then he, he says, but we've seen it. We've seen life with our own eyes. Not only have he seen it, but he has touched it with his own hands. The word of life. So Jesus, and John is saying that Yet, yes, Jesus died, but he rose again, and we've seen him. And I was reminded in a sermon I listened to this week of how Thomas is like, I'm not going to believe until I touch him in the holes of the nails, and I'm not going to believe before I touch in his, where he put the spear. But John here is saying, we did touch him. We know he was really, really there. It wasn't just something we imagined. No, the one who was eternal with God came to the world, lived, died, rose again. And I saw it with my eyes. I touched it with my hands. This is the one who is true life. I was just, uh, I was, as I was studying through it, was like, I, there, was, there was this one. I don't know how you feel about the word um, uh, like being made manifest. I was like, so I, so it was, uh, if, I, if I took this, um, um, the treasure on that, it said made, made obvious. So that was obvious to see who Jesus was. Or made clear to us who Jesus is. And so then Paul, uh, uh, what's his name? His name is John, goes on and says, So what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have touched, we testify, we, we uh, martyr to you about how Jesus became manifest. We witness about that. And we witness about it because it's the word of life. And then he says, he's internal life. And like in, first, in John 1, he was with the Father. And the Father was the one who made it known to us. And then he comes back and says, we've seen it, we've heard it, and now we proclaim it to you. That you may have fellowship, kunonia, with us. And indeed the fellowship with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And why? Why do I share? 
that our joy may be complete. So David, John and the people with him have experienced, have seen, have heard who Jesus is. It's impacted them so much that they are going to witness about this and then they're going to testify about it. And why? Well, because knowing Jesus, all the things that he's done for us is really good. But as we can see here, it's even better and it's going to complete our joy even more when we witness and testify about it to others. Then we can have joy that's complete. So knowing Jesus is life. Knowing his life and resurrection can bring us into fellowship with God and with one another. I think I have a slide here. If you are skeptical. John's going to write... Um, Oh, that's just, that's just, that's what we have already read, but just bigger. Uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to, ex- to the Father except through me. So Jesus is saying, I am life. And he also says it here in First John 5 later. And this is a testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son." Whoever has the Son has a life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So Jesus is, or John is saying here that there is only life. Life, true life is only found in Jesus. You can live, but you don't have life. And so all the smart people are talking about quality of life. What life really should be. So because we see lots of people live around us. But according to John, it's not real life. Because real life is only found in Jesus. I am the life. Life has been given through Jesus. Understanding who Jesus is is what we need to do to understand how to live this life. Jesus talks about you can do nothing apart from me. He writes, and that joy may be complete, so we share the good news with others. So I was just thinking about myself, like, if I struggle with joy, what is it? Am I then, is that because I'm not really sharing who Jesus is? Am I just keeping it for myself, and then maybe joy is not as full as it could be because I don't share and witness. Could that be why? Are we really trusting that Jesus is life or is it also to other things that we can find? Well, if I just have enough riches, if I have enough to have power, whatever, maybe we're chasing. Are we really trusting that Jesus is life? And not just life here because it talks about eternal life. Not just life, but eternal life. 
Do we even marvel at that? That God has in Christ given us eternal life in Jesus. Do I? And what kind of joy would that create in us? And wouldn't we maybe automatically start sharing because the news is so good? But if we get too focused on how stinky our lives is or how we want this or want that, and the world promises all these things that it can't deliver, but maybe sometimes we attempted to do that. Could that be why we have a minimized joy? So what is life, the purpose of life in this world? True life. Not just living, but what is the real life? In Jesus. That's eternal life in Jesus. The one that John has heard and seen, that was made visible. He heard his teaching. His body was real. A person that could be really touched. That God made him manifest. He's the image of God. The exact imprint of who he is. John's not asking these people to find meaning in their own lives. He's giving them meaning in Jesus Christ. He's not saying, like, you should go figure out who you are, just think about it really hard in a dark room, and it's like, this is the purpose of my life. No, he's not. He's telling them what their purpose of their life is. That is found in Jesus. God shows us in Jesus that he is true life and it's only found in Jesus. Now I wrote, does that cause frustration or relief in you? It depends on, I think there's two things that can cause us like, oh man, I don't have to figure out, I don't have to figure this life out, I can just trust in Jesus. Or you could be frustrated because like you are, man, I'm going to figure this out. don't really want to submit to who God is because I want to create this myself. But it frees us to put our hope and faith in Jesus instead of seeking our own will and wanting to create our own thing. Then we can seek to know his will. We don't have to run to the end of the world, go to some, some weird place, travel all the things around, try everything to figure out what life is about. John gives it to us right here. Life is Jesus. In him, we find true meaning, purpose, and life. This was what we were created for. But then the skeptic would say, but could you be a little more specific? (laughs) I want to know God's purpose for my life. Well, that is a great question. And that's one of the joys of fellowshipping with Jesus. To explore the gifts and the talents you have. To serve Jesus and his people. How do you complete your joy every day? by sharing Jesus with others. 
And you can be like, oh, can you be a little more specific? Well, then I go back to the old creeds. Like man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. How? Then the next verse says, you find that in the scriptures. You find in the scriptures how you can worship God, how you can rejoice in God, how you find life in Jesus. And she's like, but can't you just tell me? No, no, that's the part of following Jesus. That's the work you have to do. You have to seek God. You have to ask him, hey, well, true life in Jesus, what does that look like for me? With the gifts and talents you have. Then we can experience true life in Jesus. What about us? Are we growing in that? Are we growing in that? Are we learning more about God? Are we learning to appreciate more and worship more? Now we're here together and worshiping and song and giving and different things. Are we, are we growing in that? If you've been a Christian a long time, can you see that you're growing in that? But that almost means that you will actually have been growing in joy over time. Not that you're more happy than before, but you've been growing in joy. You've been enjoying God more. Your life makes even more sense now than it did when you began following Jesus. The next point is fellowship. This is the word koinonia. So it actually means more than just fellowship. This, this is made possible by the first part. We, we cannot have fellowship with one another Real fellowship. We cannot have real kunania together where, where the words, where everything we'll talk about more. Because the first, first part is we have to have life in Jesus. Because John's going to say, we, have, we can have fellowship with one another, and that fellowship is, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. But that can't happen if we don't have life. If we don't know Jesus, this fellowship cannot happen. So for it to be real, Koinonia, and maybe that's why we picked the word a long time ago, we have to know Jesus. But then, not only do we have, then, but then, not, then, we, don't, then we don't only have fellowship with the Father, God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ, we actually have fellowship with one another if we know Jesus. And we are put into this fellowship together. True fellowship. Not just drinking coffee once in a while. No, no, this is a way more. This is, we use a lot of times in modern day churches, we use the family metaphor. This is, this is fellowship with God because we know Jesus. Then we have fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and one another. This means we are together in a way that's not only surface level, but it's a way of service. It's a way of um, commitment. It's a way of giving. It's a way of joining together. And that is made possible by us knowing who Jesus is. Then 
we're brought into this amazing fellowship with God, the Father and God the Son, and one another. This will be a main theme is because later on, John's going to push back on the people that say they hate some of their brothers. He says, you can't, that's not possible. Then you don't know God. So he, that's going to be one of the things he would address later. But So growing in understanding Jesus, growing in understanding that we can be brought into fellowship with God, like God who was always together, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, in himself, fellowship, invites us to become a part. And then he invites all of his family to become a part. True fellowship with one with God and one another. Where we can grow in understanding of Jesus, his eternal life, the joy, love for God and love for his people will grow. What about in your life has this been true? What is your experience of being with God? The way he has worked in you, has that worked out of you to the people that you walk with? Let's let's say you became a Christian a while ago. Have your love and concern for your other brothers and sisters grown? Have you wanted to sacrifice, to give, to serve because Jesus loved you first? Has that extended and came out of you so that you love the brothers and the sisters that's in your family? For me, yes. I was reminded even today, maybe not as much as I would like to. (laughs) Have I grown in loving you guys and other people? Yes, definitely. I was a very (laughs) self-absorbed person. Now I'm a little less than that. So I can see some progress in wanting to love other people and I do believe that's because Jesus opened up my eyes to see what life is really about but what about you do you feel a greater love for Jesus for worshiping God but also for other believers and in this case the people you're sitting around yeah but some of them are annoying yes that maybe Maybe some of them find you annoying too. But that's not the point. The point is, do we love one another? Do we want good for one another? Do we want to serve one another? Have you even experienced it? Has somebody loved you well because they love Jesus in this fellowship? I would ask you, to give praise to God for that. 
Have you extended that to others also? And John, he, he ends and says, that my joy may be complete. No, he actually says R. So, so John, you're writing this letter telling about, telling about Jesus to the people, later on correcting false teaching, but you're saying that life is true life is found in Jesus, and we can have fellowship with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and one another. And you're writing so that your joy may be complete. Yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? How Jesus changes it so that, so that John's writing this to encourage others. And as he's encouraging others, his joy in Jesus will be made complete. See how much he had taken on what he saw Jesus do, that he would serve and be encouraged, and then his joy and their joy would be made complete as they encouraged people towards Jesus and fellowship and true life. What we've gone through is these four verses is this great invitation. John is wanting to invite people in to know Jesus and his life. He's actually saying there's only life in Jesus, so don't you want life? Get to know Jesus. Have you accepted this invitation? If you have, does that create joy in your everyday life? That you know that life is found in Jesus? The second part is, if you have joy in Jesus, and you know life in Jesus, he says, then now you have fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and everyone else. And then he invites the rest of us to have our joy complete. That when we've been changed by Jesus, we've been changed by the fellowship, then we go and witness and encourage other people to get to know Jesus so that our joy may be complete. John's inviting us into true life, true fellowship, and true joy. So let's hear John and respond to that. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time together where we could consider the words of your word. Consider being invited into the true life in you, um, mind-boggling fellowship with you and one another, and an encouragement that the out of us will flow a witness about that because it's changed us so much. Not because we have to, but we get, we get to share how you've changed us. Lord, I ask that you would overwhelm us with who you are, Help us to trust that you are true life. There's no life outside of you. 
Help us know we have real, real fellowship with you, God. Encourage us. As we believe that, we believe that we have been brought into fellowship with one another. Grow my heart, grow our hearts to love one another because you loved us first. And give us boldness and strength and courage and great joy to pursue joy complete in sharing this great news with others. May it all be you on and your glory. May you receive all the praise we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So this was the first part of John. And so uh, I would just encourage you, go home and uh, you don't have to do it today, but read, read First John a couple of times. Um, just be, okay, this is what we're going to go through in the next, uh, next times. Um, if you have comments and questions, you're always welcome to come and ask. Um, if you want somebody to pray with you, just be bold to ask the person next to you to pray with you. Uh, don't just run away. Um, and, yeah. and yeah, and then yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go in and have uh, make it yourself sandwiches afterwards. So uh, don't run away, uh, but you can stand up and we'll receive the benediction. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. That's the choice. Okay. <laughs> may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.